You are now listening to Closer in Tech, the podcast created by the D2 Collective. This is Erica. And this is Nasti. The D2 Collective's vision is to make the tech world feel closer. This podcast aims to inspire you through the ever-changing world of tech. Meet Robert. Robert has extensive experience in both sales and people management roles. He is passionate about helping his team become the best professionals they can be. Beyond that, he is always on the lookout for strategic ideas that have an impact beyond his team and make sure the wider company wins. We're very happy to be chatting to you today, Robert. Welcome. Thank you. All good. Welcome, Robert. Um, this is Erica. Thanks for being with us today. So something that we used to do during our time at LinkedIn, uh, we were often asked, what's not on your LinkedIn profile? So instead of asking you just, could you tell us a bit more about yourself? I want to ask, what's <laughs> not on your LinkedIn profile? All right. Yeah. Great start. Uh, I should have seen that coming. So, so again, yeah. What's not on my LinkedIn profile is that I'm um, um, very much in line with my uh, midlife crisis jokes, but uh, I, I'm an electric skateboarder. Uh, so I used to be a skateboarder when I was younger. Uh, and nowadays I actually roam around Melbourne on an electric skateboard, which takes a little bit less effort, uh, but it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Oh, that's that's extremely extremely cool. And what is more of like kind of like the professional introduction or personal professional introduction you give about you when yeah. asked? Yeah, sure. So listen, I've been at uh, LinkedIn for a while, uh, as of both of you, of course, um, in the past, and so I've been around for about eight and a half years. Um, worked and, and and lived in Dublin for about five years, and after that, uh, through the company, I uh, I moved to Melbourne. So um, nowadays, me and my wife and, and, and our son uh, are living in Melbourne. It's been four years or so. Um, started my, my journey in this company anyway as an IC, as an individual contributor, uh, and then started my first leadership roles about six years ago, I would say. Uh, loved it. Worked for the Benelux market for a long time. Uh, started there as an IC, then became a manager there. Uh, and, and nowadays, as said, from the Melbourne office where uh, my team serves uh, both Australia and New Zealand. So, yeah, I, I guess that's my that's my career in a nutshell. Um, at my current company before that, I used to work in, uh, in, in sales and recruitment. And also, I think uh, an interesting thing to call out is that uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a school dropout. So I, uh, after finishing sort of high school slash college, um, attempted uni twice, <laughs> but never finished. Um, so, so I think that's a pretty hot topic these days as well, right? Skills first hiring and stuff like that. And I'm very passionate about it. Personally, as I said, um, amongst the people that never got like the education that was required, especially in the past. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting thing to talk about with our customers these days as well. Do you, do, do you hire based on education or based on skills? Thank you for sharing that, uh, Rob. I, I think I remember reading a post about that uh, from you a little while ago. Um, that was that was very inspiring, and I think it's such an interesting topic as well because there's so much more to it than just your education, right? And just your previous experience. Um, it's all yeah. about your attitude as well. And no, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no stress. I wanted to get a little sort of deeper into what initially inspired you to become a people manager. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I um, it's it's a great question, right? And and, and I think um it was it was probably a bit of an unconscious decision and what i mean with that is so when working in dublin uh i was i was if i look back at that like pretty career focused 
um, as most good managers uh, do uh, as they mine. Uh, we had career conversations and in these career conversations, he asked me, hey, what's your next play? What do you want to do after this? Um, and yeah, quite organically, um, I, I felt like I probably had to say, well, I want to become a manager one day. I didn't really know why, uh, but it, it slowly evolved into him really giving me the confidence in, in thinking that I could actually do it. Um, he then um, uh, moved on to another company, uh, but yeah, sort of two years down the line, I actually did interview for my first management role and I got it. Um, if I look back on that, probably my urge to become a manager, which I wasn't very aware of at the time, was a bit more deep rooted and probably about um, me uh, wanting to help other people succeed. And, and that feeling grew and grew over time. And while I was still an account manager and I put wins on the board with my customers, slowly but surely i think i started to realize that i got much more i guess uh fulfillment from the fact that sometimes i could help my colleagues put wins on the board so so quite gradually through that i think i realized that um, management was the right role to actually do that oh that's that's extremely inspiring i like the way i like where your inspiration comes from you know robert because sometimes um, also like in the old way that managers are perceived, they're just people trying to kind of climb the corporate ladder. And actually mm -hmm. this is more of like a give back, you know, you get fulfillment from empowering other people to succeed, which is, I think, um, yeah, it, it's really inspiring. Um, mm -hmm. you recently recommended the book, When They Win, You Win by Russ Larway for aspiring new managers. One of the main takeaway is that employee engagement as a major impact on business results. What did you take away from, from reading this book? Do you want, do you want to share something with us? Yeah, sure. First of all, I, I think that's, that's the type of book that if it would have been published uh, six years ago, which wasn't, but, um, I, I probably would have wished I would have read it then. It's such a, uh, an impactful book. And the reason for that is, uh, that for me, it, it really helps After having been in management for, as I said, about six years, it really helped to bring it back to basics uh, because a lot of time I do think that we tend to over engineer um, what a manager or leader is supposed to do. Um, so, so again, it brought it back to basics. Um, and what Russ does is Russ Larry, the author is um, he links it to um, his experience at Qualtrics, which is a people engagement platform where they measure uh, employee engagement. So what he does is he, he really brought it back to, okay, what specific things can a manager do to increase employee engagement? And then what he does is he links employee engagement to productivity. Um, so, so what that means, if, if you put yourself into to the shoes of a, a CEO, COO, some execs from, from big or small companies, is that when we think about people engagement, it shouldn't be looked at as a soft metric. It's actually a very hard metric. It's a very important metric because, again, like we can directly link it back to productivity. Um, so, so I think yeah, that's a very powerful insight that um, that Russ um, expresses in that book, and then he brings it back to three key things. Uh, very easy to remember. So, what a manager is supposed to do is basically provide clear direction and co-create with their teams, coach, and have um, very helpful and in-depth career conversations. So direction, coaching, and career. That that sounds great. So did you implement some action points from this book with your team? 
Uh, I'm curious now, like, or can you tell us a bit more what impact as you, have you seen as a result if you did? Yeah, and I did because I'm a I'm an absolute nerd if it comes to <laughs> sort of uh, leadership books and stuff like that. I you know what's the point in reading it and look like experimenting with it, right? So so yes, I did. Um, we um, as a result of it um, um, co-created our, our direction. So I think you know what lots of teams do um, in sales or outside of sales is have quarterly offsites uh, strategy sessions, um, and and so what we've done, I don't know probably around nine months ago has come together and co-create what our team's direction should look like. Uh, and we divided it up in uh, long-term and short-term. So long-term being, uh, what's our purpose? Why do we exist as a team? And then under that also being long-term is what's our two-year vision? Uh, so a really nice question to ask there as a, as a bit of a team exercise is, let's say our CEO uh, throws us a huge party in two years down the track. Uh, what have we achieved to actually make make, make him do that? Um, so to really think quite big, but also bring about back to very measurable things. So tangibly, what have we done to again impress our CEO that much that he throws a massive party? So that's sort of the long term, and then the short term, which we also worked on as a team, is okay. In order to achieve that two-year vision, what do we have to do on a quarterly basis to get closer to that two-year vision? So what are our quarterly objectives? Um, and again, I think the, the, the power in this is where um, some managers um, might um, be quite uh, authoritative and just say like, okay, this is what we're going to do. I think it's much more powerful where first of all, you've co-created that, that, that team's purpose and that to your vision and then say, okay, team, what are we going to do? Like, what are our quarterly objectives going to look like? Rather than uh, again uh, top down saying this is what we're gonna do. No, we've done it together. I think the benefit of that approach, and I've already seen it, is um, you're able to drive much more accountability, and you can also ask other people, uh, people in the team, to drive accountability among each other. Uh, because you know, as soon as people are sort of deviating from what our quarterly goals are. It's not me saying like, hey, I said we should do this, but it's like, hey, you said we, we would do this. So like what you're doing right now, I just don't think is in line with what you said we should do. So, you know, what's going on here? And I think that's much more um, of a statement, right? Uh, rather than again, being this autocratic manager. Thank you for sharing that, Robert. Um, I think that's really profound because you also have sort of many different personalities in your team, right? So everybody mm. is react to that also in a in a different way. Um, and I think definitely taking people on the sort of the why and the co-creation can can make it yeah really sort of like a mission and vision they can get along with and actually will mm. create it as you said. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. If I can share one more thing by the way about this as well, I'm not sure if we're uh, doing all right for time. No worries about the time at all. Yeah. All right. Um, so um, the the other I think really profound thing, and so 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 first of all, when they win, you win is sort of like a chapter two of another book called Radical Candor, uh, which is a book that was actually published uh, quite a few years ago. And as part of that, uh, the same author, Russ Laraway, together with Kim Scott, go into career conversation frameworks. Um, he just goes more in depth in this new book. Uh, but in short, these career conversations and the framework that they've established for it are three-step conversations. 
So one being uh, the sort of first conversation being just looking back. So basically it's the type of, it's one of the coolest conversations I think you can have as a manager. It's about, hey, between let's say uh, kindergarten and today, tell me a little bit more about your life, help me understand what your key motivators were and like what drove you to make certain big life decisions um, to really understand what people's biggest motivators are. That's the first conversation. Second conversation would be about, hey, where do you want to be? not like in your next play but at the pinnacle of your career at the peak of your career what does that look like for you when are you most challenged most excited about the type of work you're going to do again uh, at this stage of your life and it could be in your 30s 40s 50s 60s whatever it is where you would feel accomplished to the max uh and that's a really cool conversation as well very aspirational and once you've cleared that out, and again, that could change, right? But but right now, I think it's important to have, have somewhat of a, a direction there career-wise. And then the third conversation, bear with me, um, is, is about, okay, in the next 18 months, what are we going to do together to get you a few, few steps closer to that? So, for example, what circle of success do you need? What mentors do you need? Uh, what incremental changes can we make to your current role? um to to actually get you again a few steps closer to where you want to be at the peak of your career so for example if somebody would say i want to become a, a cfo one day but right now i'm in sales um this is just an example right but you could say okay well can you then uh from here on out manage our team uh travel and expense budgets and it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to help them become a C cfo but what it will do is uh perhaps get them in touch with uh, our um, um, financial people from within LinkedIn to ask certain questions, to start understanding the language a little bit better, to start building the right network to get a few steps closer to that role. So I think that's a very cool way of um, having these career conversations. And what it certainly does, if anything, is it helps uh, the manager understand that their direct report a lot better, especially because of that first conversation uh and also the other way around right like you just feel more more understood uh when your manager um yeah just knows so much more about your life and where you want to head in your life as well as a person and as a professional i've, I've done it as well with my manager and i absolutely loved it thank you for sharing that i love how you first go back let's say and i think for me this is still Kind of sort of an easy exercise then the second step that you mentioned so really thinking about sort of the peak of your career mm. i can describe that quite broadly but i find it sometimes also difficult to really pinpoint it to let's say a job right mm. um but as you say it's very good to realize as well that you can you can change this so i think yeah. even naming sort of characteristics that you would be doing and then trying to to see what career path that that would lead to um yeah can be very helpful um yeah i think those are three great steps thank you yeah all good i love it as well so hopefully oh it's probably going to be my next post on linkedin so i'll probably share a small deck that i put together and stuff like that so if it can impact one other person to think about their career a little bit more consciously then awesome job well done <laughs> i would love that i'm really looking forward to to reading it all good then as our sort of last question, I wanted to understand a bit more about sort of the manager who had the most profound, profound impact on you personally. Might that be performance or personal or professional development? And I wanted to understand what's for you this manager really, like what's in this manager um, set him or her apart? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Makes makes us think, right? Makes us go back down memory lane a little bit. And, and, and I think, um, 
first of all, probably I learned like I, I I tried to learn from every single manager, whether I thought they were good or whether, you know, for whatever reason I, I didn't necessarily think that they have had a very positive impact on my career. If I look back at the managers that I struggled with, um, probably I learned a lot from them as well. Um, just around like the type of manager that I don't want to be for my people. Um, so yeah, they're all insightful. But um yeah, probably I would have to call out my current my current manager um, here in Australia. Um, he he um, I think helped me in my transition uh, from being I think an okay manager in Dublin to being to being a good manager in Australia, which takes a pretty different approach um, because it was very deceptive. Same company, uh, we all you know first language here English, first language in, in Dublin, of course English as well, but then. Culturally, there were some very subtle nuances that I definitely struggled with in my first sort of year here in Australia. So I think what he told me is, for example, uh, the the sort of servant leadership approach, uh, just uh, maybe a, a, a tad more humility uh, when I when I think about my team and, and and when I think about myself and that team. One of the things that I'll never forget him saying is, uh, "Listen, there's nine of them and there's one of you." So who do you think who do you think has to change? <laughs> and so I, I think that was a very powerful statement. That again um, is is one of the things that I'll bring with me for the rest of my career. Oh, that's that that's so inspiring, Robert. I really like hearing um, kind of your experience there because I think we all have like if I think about the manager who has had the most impact on me. And actually, I was speaking about Nasty because when we we're kind of you know getting together the questions I was like yeah I was kind of going back and thinking why and then it wasn't per se the manager that I worked best with or the manager that I liked mm -hmm. the most but it was actually the person who was able to understand what I needed and get me from point A to point B like kind of making it easier and help me kind of reach my goals which is something you've touched um on so far and mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really it's really uh empowering to hear also like your your story there but yeah thank you so much for for being with us today and for having shared um your experience we we really do appreciate it so if any of our um listeners wants to get in touch with you what's the best way they can do it uh take, take a guess linkedin <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> Yeah, and I send me an email. Uh, I, I I I always love uh, connecting and and just learning from other people in other regions, other other industries, whatever. So yeah, definitely just ping me a quick email on LinkedIn, and uh, always happy to have to have a chat. Brilliant! Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you for listening to Closer in Tech, a podcast created by the D2 Collective. We are on a mission to make the tech world feel closer. If you're new here, the D2 Collective is a global value-based membership community for those working in tech. Our members get access to a growing network of inspiring and talented individuals, regular meetups in the major European cities, and additional content to unlock their personal and professional growth. If you want to be part of it, head to the D2Collective.community.